Welcome, BoomXers. Let's throw out the old playbook. It's time to tear down the traditional way of looking at your life and money and apply a healthy dose of BoomX to your retirement. Stay tuned as asset protection attorney Daryl Tuttle, educator and leader of the BoomX Nation, shows us how. Now, here's the BoomX Show. Welcome to the BoomX Show, the Laws of Money podcast. It has been a long time since I published a podcast. The reason I feel is justified. However, I do feel bad for the delay, especially since I promised you daily content. That was back in the days when COVID had first begun to wreak its havoc upon us. And that is not entirely the reason for my delay. Um, in, in large part, I just was not satisfied with the value proposition, the solution that I had available. And I won't go into um, a lot of detail other than to say I have regret that I have not been attentive to you. <laughs> I apologize for that. But I have been working very hard to value-added proposition for you. And, and, and I'm almost ready. In the coming days, I will reveal what I've worked on and will work on most likely for the rest of my life. The, the more I think about the need for competent legal and financial advice for people and solutions that are affordable and reliable, the more I am convinced that this is my life's work. I am a, a contrarian to a, a degree. Um, while I have reached and achieved success in my career, I just am not motivated by money, nor am I impressed with the traditional means of doing something, of advising clients, of protecting wealth, of helping people, just because it is the way the thing, way things have always been done. I, I have been a sole practitioner since 1996 when I graduated from law school. And so I am used to an only child. <laughs> I am used to thinking on my own. Now, it, the point of this is not to bolster my credibility with you to recite yet again my credentials, which I'd rather not talk about at all. It is to give you, you know, background as to, to who I am and what I'm trying to accomplish. I struggle with the modern, I think we all do. I mean, it just seems like more and more American culture, it, it, people are ill at ease with it. And so I know I'm not alone in this feeling. Uh, um, there's no answer. I don't have an answer. I struggle with it. But I've just decided to be, as if I wasn't authentic as it was, I, I'm just pulling out the weapons free, in other words. Um, one of the things I've always debated about is, do I, when I hear something that is publicly 
available or, or like published by a person who is known to be or thought to be an expert. And I hear it and I'm concerned. Do I say something? Now, traditionally, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, that's not helpful. I, I value etiquette. I like people. I, I tend to be a little bit aggressive. Um, love me, love me or hate me, but um, sometimes I, like my father, you know, sometimes I put point my finger, poke my finger in a person's eye, just because. <laughs> if I strongly feel strongly about it, um, I, I have learned in most cases that's not helpful. Um, it, it doesn't persuade the other person of anything. And it causes pushback when maybe we could reach a consensus. However, when the goal is to alert people to something another person has said that might be harmful to them, I just view that as different. If I hear um, a financial guru say something that is potentially misleading I'm not trying to convince the financial guru that they need to consider a different viewpoint because I just think it's impossible. I mean, like at a certain point, a financial financial guru is not willing or able to adapt their view because of social norms, uh, because of ego, because of sponsors and affiliates and money and all this stuff. Um. So I guess that means what do I have to lose? I mean, like I can point out things that people say that are inaccurate, misleading, and I can even give you my perspective as to like why I think that a certain message exists. Because like if you hear it over and over and over again, after a while, the familiarity of the misinformation starts to sound credible. It's like what you believe based upon repetition. I always make the analogy to carpet bombing, like the carpet bomb messaging of the financial services industry has led to misconceptions. And is it time to like fix it? Like say, speak up and say something. I don't know if I'm the person qualified to, but when I look around, I'm not seeing anybody else do it. Now, the real tragedy is um, simply this. The people who are knocking the ball out of the park, who are essentially dominating the conversation, are not the people who have the expertise. How do you like that? Think about it. I mean, it makes sense. Um, Mr. Google is extremely powerful. Like, if you want to know something, where do you go? Mr. Google. And five years ago, you could type in estate planning, power of attorney, all of these concepts that you would imagine were within the wheelhouse of, of a lawyer. And 
Lo and behold, most of the organic results that Google would say, this is the guy, this is the web page, would be somebody related to legal services industry. There's entire assets that are 100% created by the law. The most no notable would be your retirement account, 401k, 403b, individual retirement account. All of those are tax deferred based upon statute. If you comply with the ERISA statute and the tax code, you are able to enjoy tax deferral, which is incredibly powerful. That is an invention of the law. And the rules to properly leverage the rules regarding a retirement account takes legal training. Now, I have had conversations with financial advisors about retirement accounts in an estate plan in which they have pushed back and resisted my request on behalf of my client because they had never heard of such a thing. And by such a thing, I mean, like, Mr. Financial Advisor, will you change the beneficiary designation of the retirement account that you are making money advising on to state that the beneficiary is a trust created by a last will and testament. Now, those concepts are a little complicated, but they're not that complicated. Like a, a, most Americans know, okay, a trust, it's a trust account, a trust account for your grandkids. They've heard the term. They also know what a last will and testament is. Can a retirement account point to a trust? Well, you have to have certain language, accumulation or conduit language in it. But yes, of course, of course. But yet we have advisors who don't seem to know that and resist it. Well, it's frustrating because if a retirement account is such a big asset, and it is, in my career, I've been in the trenches for 25 years and focused on this. How many account statements have I read in my career of other people? How many income statements? I, I know what you own. I know what you make. Most people, most American, normal average people have as one or first place or second place in terms of most valuable asset is either a retirement account or a personal residence in most cases. In a lot of cases, retirement account is worth more than the personal residence. That's astounding. And so you need to be competent as to, especially in the estate plan, how rules regarding retirement accounts work. Now, one industry, legal services, has a program. It's a three-year course <laughs> that's not very fun that's really expensive tuition, that we drink entirely too much coffee, um, increase our blood pressure, walk away as completely different human beings than we were when we went into it. And we're qualified at that moment in time after a three-year course called law school to do absolutely nothing except study a bunch more for a test called a bar exam, which 25% of us fail because it's that hard. Now, the good news is, once we pass the bar exam, we're qualified to do absolutely nothing but wait for a judge to require us to swear an oath 
to the Constitution of our state and then wait for the Supreme Court of our state to accept our moral and, and technically proficient competence and value to be admitted to the secret club. <laughs> Once that happens, then you basically um, kind of squander on borderline malpractice for five years until you start to get the hang of it. Um, financial services, they don't, the, there is no such comparison for entry into that profession. It is um, disappointing, actually, uh, how, like, you have to understand that the Financial Service, the Financial Advisors Act, um, the motivation behind it was fraud. Like, back in World War II and before, there were so many people giving investment advice with every kind of scam imaginable that Congress said, finally, we got to do something. We don't want to get into the, you know, just the mix of it. So we'll just have like a minimal registration and licensing requirement. That's my, my view. Keep in mind, I used to be a financial advisor and own my own registered investment advisory firm. I know what I'm talking about. Now, attorneys are exempted from registration. Makes sense. I mean, we actually have a course we take. <laughs> and it's really too bad because as the two industries have evolved through the ages since the end of World War II, the legal services industry has just abdicated the conversation. Like we, we are no longer part of the wealth accumulation and protection conversation because we have been swarmed by financial services who market extremely well and have dominated Google. Like if you now type in estate planning, five years ago, you would, of course, I mean, makes sense, estate planning, you would see results related to estate planning law firms or articles written by attorneys. Today, that is not the case. You will likely find, try it, try it. You'll likely find like Investopedia and other finance, like Schwab and different um, brokerage type wirehouses who have really hired people, in most cases, not even legal or financial services professionals to write the articles, but just writers who write articles on power of attorney and last will and testament and living trust and all of these issues that used to be within the exclusive domain of attorneys. Now, the result has been um, unfortunate. For example, you likely will believe that a revocable living trust is a great estate planning solution because it avoids probate. That's what Mr. Google will tell you. However, what you do not know is that many jurisdictions now take the position that a personal residence transferred into a revocable living trust now renders that asset as no longer exempt and safe harbor for Medicaid purposes, but non-exempt and available requiring a spend down and, and worse. And by worse, I mean assets held within a revocable living trust 
some court opinions hold, are not available to later fund a spousal protection trust. Now, I'm not, we're not here in this particular episode to talk about the technicalities of a spousal protection trust. But suffice it to say, the number one asset protection trust in America today is created by federal law. It must be created by a last will and testament for the benefit of a surviving spouse. Look back periods do not apply. Transfer penalties do not apply. Medicaid liens do not apply. It is also an estate tax savings trust. It, it is the high country of trust. And if you believe the value of revocable living trust, you can blow that whole exemption and that whole um, ability to fund a true asset protection trust based upon listening to people who don't know what they're talking about because they don't, they don't have legal training and they do have not practiced law. It's really too bad because the number of people who will be injured by the misconception due to the carpet bombing, it's, it's not fair. I mean, like we're talking about the possible impoverishment of a spouse based upon listening to a financial guru on the radio who has no legal training. It's actually kind of weird, too, because I'm just getting to the point. So there's a lot of things I like about Dave Ramsey. First of all, we look the same. <laughs> if you're watching the YouTube version, I'm holding up a picture here. Don't tell me that we're like separated at birth. He's uh, Dave Ramsey is 59. I'm 56. We're bald, basically bald. I'm bald. Have a little bit of scruff. All bald white men look the same after age 50. And so... You got to laugh. I think I dig about Dave. I hope I get to meet him one day and he doesn't beat me up. Um, is that he's a curmudgeon, man. In this age of every, you got to don't, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And it's got to be cheerful sunshine. And people aren't really being honest in many cases. Well, Dave is not that way. <laughs> like we have that in common. And I'm going to do my Dave Ramsey impersonation. Ever notice, like, you got to watch it. Like, watch his show on YouTube. Subscribe to it. It's a great show. Um, and a lot of what he says is spot on. And the point of this is to encourage you to watch Dave Ramsey. Unless you meet a certain profile. And then not as much. But so, like, you've noticed when Dave gets a phone call, the first thing he does is... <laughs> This is my Dave Ramsey impersonation. My arms are folded, I'm sitting back. Um, and so, I don't know. He's like my older brother. Um, there's some things that Dave, that we all need to work on. Um, Dave Ramsey, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to speak my mind, Dave. Sorry, bro. I love you. It's all love. But he doesn't have a lot of experience advising clients. Um, my understanding of his background is that he just doesn't. <laughs> I'm just not going to try to sugarcoat it, man. Um, like if he was uh, giving advice to people on the radio is not advice. You, you, he doesn't spend any amount of time 
listening to the caller sufficiently to gather the facts that are necessary to, to give competent advice at the same level that he would be required to if he was an attorney or even, um, and that's why, that's how mistakes are made. For example, I can recall vividly a caller, um, she sounded like she was scared to death. She was female. She had an accent that we do not have in the Pacific Northwest. And so I'm assuming it was in the South um, or Idaho. <laughs> My people are from Idaho. And um, she was scared because she hit a pedestrian coming back from work. It's not funny, but, you know, it's dark. And you like the one thing that you should not do is hit a pedestrian with your car because nothing good is going to happen from that. Um, and of course, her question was, is my husband's assets at risk because I have been sued for a large sum of money for this, the injury that I caused this person? Dave's response was, no, there's not a jurisdiction in the United States where your husband's assets would be at risk from a judgment. Oh, really? <laughs> As an attorney, I did not know that. The truth is there are jurisdictions in which your husband's assets are absolutely at risk, completely. There are some states in the United States, by the way, Dave, that are community property states. Some of these states are important, like California. <laughs> California has a GMP equivalent to the other 49 states. California's GMP is greater than Russia. And so do not listen to Dave Ramsey opine about liability in California. <laughs> How does that sound, Dave? Does that sound fun? And so that's irresponsible. That, that's just like a person who knows a little bit about something. It's a soundbite. It's a radio show. And I'm just going to say something. Um, I've also heard him say, I have a long list of things I've said that I'm like, oh, my goodness, please, please don't listen to this guy. Um. If you're a state, you know, the federal estate tax is a problem for very few people because the credit amounts 20 million. And people, I get the impression that Dave just does not like lawyers because his advice always is, we like mama bear forms. By the way, I'm going to do a product review of mama bear forms in the next episode so that we can really understand completely, in fact, I don't understand how a person could, we'll get to mama bear forms, but um, like people ask, should I get a lawyer? His answer is almost always, no, if you do, don't, don't pay more than a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm like, man, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> um, and then he just goes on. He says stuff that's just ridiculous. For example, you don't need an, an attorney for anything unless you have an estate tax problem. And then you would just use an AB trust. Okay, so AB trust is like um, archaic. No one calls it an AB trust. But more importantly, it's, it's almost as if Dave Ramsey does not understand that individual state um, states have a separate estate tax and other 
states have a separate inheritance tax. He's stuck in the kind of level 101 financial services, welcome to your broker-dealer review of the late 1980s. <laughs> I mean, like he's using language that is that old. Unaware that if you, for example, if you live in Washington state, the credit amount is 2 million for state tax. Did you know that? Oh, and by the way, the tax is as high as 20%. If you made a financial decision based upon Dave Ramsey's crappy advice and lost 20%, would you consider that significant? Would you have a cause of action against Dave Ramsey for bad advice? No, because it's just a radio show. He can say literally anything and there's no um, attorney-client relationship because he's not an attorney and he's not your financial advisor. He's just a guy on the radio. <laughs> and so... He doesn't like, he hasn't updated his repertoire in a while. Oregon has a $1 million. Like how many people have an estate over a million? Maybe not a lot, but enough where don't listen to Dave in Oregon. So it's these sorts of things where, here's the way I fall down on it. Um, most Americans don't have money. I think... Um, I research this as best I can, and the numbers are, if memory serves, 48% um, of Americans have wealth below, net worth below 100000 That's astounding. And, um, and so Dave's market is powerful in that market. If you are a new investor and trying to make ends meet, listen to Dave. He, his message is essentially appropriate for people who are having problems with budgeting. Once you have wealth, I would be careful. Um, look at me as the Dave Ramsey of people who have figured out budgeting because asset protection it is the game. Like accumulating wealth is one thing, protecting it is another. I have not yet heard Dave Ramsey mention one time the devastating effect of unreimbursed medical expenses and how likely it is to occur in our lives. So there are four threats to wealth in America. I've never heard Dave mention them. I'm not even sure if he's aware of them. That's asset protection. All you need to know is if you are married, you must have a spousal protection trust, period. That is the value proposition. If whoever you're talking to does not know what that is, turn off the radio. Go to another channel if you're married and if you have wealth. If you're still in the accumulation trying to budget phase, God bless you. I am too. But there you go. Um, don't mean to be snarky, but Dave and I are brothers. Kind of. Dave, this is you, man. <laughs> See you later. That's it for today. That's the Womack Show. It is a wrap. <laughs>